Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mark. And this is the joint Wilhelm and House Podcastica coverage of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Episode 3, Secrets and Lies. Sounded like you almost forgot again for a minute. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was that dramatic pause. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Uh, As always, as we did last week, you know, uh, extend full extension to Apple TV Plus for giving us the opportunity to cover this uh, series with uh, through sending us screeners, advanced copy of the series, which I still haven't watched ahead. I don't know about you. I I have not. I actually okay. stopped at episode three, rewatched again, and did my notes, and that's about it. So I have okay. not furthered past episode three, everybody. Okay, good. Yeah, because I know that's where you were at before, and then this time I, I, I stuck with it as well. You know, we have up to – Apple TV has granted us up to episode eight so far of the ten episodes. They're giving us nine and ten over the next week or two, mm. uh, but – just because of, again, those, those theories that we came up with last week, I don't want to know if I'm right or not before we start. Like, I don't want to watch ahead to episode seven, find out mm-hmm. I was right, and then have to talk about it in episode four, because then it kind of ruins. I feel the same way. Yeah, uh, we, we can't, you know, between the both of us and just us brainstorming and thinking and, you know, exaggerating on top of more <laughs> of what we were thinking about and going more into it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it gives you more of a quandary, but even still, there's more stuff within this particular episode that gives us more to think about too, uh-huh. based upon one character. There, there's more in this episode. There's a couple lines of dialogue that are said in this episode that made me kind of audibly squeal. Mm. because they play into one of the theories that I came up with last episode when we covered episodes one and two. Oh, yes. And it's more apparent than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we will get to that in a moment, though. Uh, But before we continue, I have to extend an apology. Uh, The Wilhelm, the feedback at Wilhelm podcast email, for some reason, got frozen. So there were actually a couple voicemails we got for feedback last week. Uh, that I didn't get until after we had already recorded. So they didn't get played last week's episode. So we're going to kind of break format a little bit. And rather than do feedback, we're still going to do feedback at the end Mm -hmm. uh, for the feedback that we got for this episode. But before we dive into episode three, I want to play the voicemails that we got for episode two, because it might bring some new things to light going into discussion of this episode. So as long as you're okay with it, Mark, I'm good. Okay, let's go ahead. um, And we're going to play those. We're going to jump in with feedback from last week's episodes one and two that we forgot to play or that we we didn't have to play because my email was wonky. It's been fixed. So you can continue to send in feedback. Uh, But uh, of course, our our joint friend, Steve, uh, Steve Brown sent us two voicemails last week, one for episode one and episode two. So let's start with those. Uh, And this first one comes from Steve Brown on Monarch uh, episode one. Hello, Ben and Mark. This is Steve. And this is going to be for Monarch season one, episode one. See how this goes. Skull Island, 1973. So we're starting with Skull Island, that movie. 
And we fast forward to 2013. What movie was 2013? Was the sitting for 2013? I don't remember. Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell are playing the same character, obviously in two different time periods. I wonder which one is going to be the present or the future and which one's going to be in the past. So this woman was obviously at one of the previous monster attacks. So she just had a PTSD flashback. Okay, so this is 2015 because that stamp just said April 1st, 2015. April Fool's Day. Slow learners, they're going to tell us it's Tokyo 2015 with a graphic. Which one was San Francisco? I was talking to the cab driver just say he has a podcast. Okay, this is going to be tough to keep track of because now we're in Kazakhstan, 1959. That's why Russell, the clean-shaven guy in the backseat, got to be right. This guy was a jerk. He had two families, one in Japan and one in America. Ew. Early warning system for Godzilla. Are we going to see Godzilla in the very first episode? Oh, how many children got off the bus and didn't get off? Oh, that's got to be horrible. In 2015, how long has it been since Godzilla's attack on San Francisco? Yeah, for, they mentioned, mentioned MUTO. I don't remember what that means, what that acronym stands for, the M-U-T-O. Yeah, come on, show. The, the subtitles keep calling Wyatt Russell's character the associate. We know who he is. Calling people who prefer vinyl, listen with their heart and not their ears. <laughs> <laughs> so she does speak Japanese. <laughs> did her father die or did he just go off to do some monarch crap? If they never found a wreckage, that means he could be alive, not dead. So this woman in 1959 is the grandmother. Gotcha. Oh no, they're all hatching. She just fell back into the darkness and now, oh, at least episode two is already out. Episode two. <laughs> all right. So uh, to anybody listening on Wilhelm right now who may not have experienced that ever before, uh, that is what we call a live steving. Uh, Steve leaves yes. his his voicemails in the form of commentary, uh, but we love it. We love it whenever Steve does something like that. Um, remind us, Mark, what is Muto? Because Steve seems to have forgotten it, and I I know you know it better than I do. Uh, As you Google it, because you because you forgot it. Yeah, because well. honestly, I forgot <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I I have to say <laughs> that honestly. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, I I actually have to go to it because uh, yeah, a massive, massive unidentified, unidentified terrestrial organism. Terrestrial organism. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it's so funny. I have to constantly go back to it because it's not something in my regular vocabulary. It's not mm -hmm. something I'm going to say all the time. <laughs> well, be, and, well, and it's also like you being the big fan of the 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 complete Toho. Uh, saga of everything muto didn't come into being until the 2014 godzilla so that it is something yeah. relatively new and and just in this universe this is not a full-blown godzilla term that has been around no since no no it, it, it's a legendary term that is in legendary films that they had created for their own monster verse which is very mm -hmm. cool but, you know, it's something that I have to get used to. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like uh, it's not in my regular vocabulary, like you said. Uh, yeah. it, it's so pretty cool. But there are things, yeah. too, that uh, a lot of friends that have actually watched the old Heisei and Shawa series have come to me and said, what is wrong with Japanese monster movies? What, what What's going on with this? And they they're not used to the difference between the cultures mm -hmm. and they, they're not certain about certain things. They're like, wait, they had a, a directive company very much like Muto or, or Monarch at this point in Toho, but that's 
you know, that's a completely separate, different organization, everybody. So uh, we're we're concentrating more on the legendary version, which is the American version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So that was Steve's voicemail for episode one. Uh, let's go ahead and play his uh, his live steving for episode two. All right, here we go for episode two. If I realized that you did one and two together, I would have just gone straight into two in my last voice <laughs> message. But I'll just send this as a separate message. Hey, Mark and Ben, this is Steve. Oh, what a quote! Sometimes the fight picks you, sir. And this is seven. So this is seven years before we're seeing the origins of uh, Shaw. Oh, Lieutenant Shaw, you just stepped at it. <laughs> but yeah, call her Doctor Mira. Ooh, a locked file cabinet, and now another file thing marked with the the monarch symbol. He just called him Swab because he was in the Navy. <laughs> this is the guy from Monarch, right? Who is this actor? He looks so familiar, but I can't place it. This guy who's talking to Kate now. Of course, he wasn't alone. That's a rough car accident right there. Did they find Kate? And how come they haven't found this girl? What's her name? The hacker girl. Okay, so he's leaving them. But where's Billy? Wouldn't he have a vehicle somewhere also? A massive unidentified terrestrial organism. <laughs> Muto. Okay, he so got it. Uncle got Lee it. to the, their father who has the double family and is a monarch guy. Okay, so they did find them all. Okay. There's only 15 minutes left in this episode, and they haven't shown us the cliffhanger from the first episode. Great. Thanks, show. Now you're just going to leave me hanging again. Oh, this was the ship he was on during Pearl Harbor. So Lieutenant Shaw just saw the lights in the sky, and now he's headed back to look for, right, the doctor and this guy. But he doesn't know they're at the sh- He doesn't know where they went in the jungle. How is he going to find them? Oh, and we finally meet Kurt Russell, the old Shaw. Colonel Shaw now, or probably retired Colonel at this point. <laughs> Secure asset management. Yeah, nice wording for safe for a, you know, a surveillance, uh, this place that the Colonel's living in. <laughs> oh, so we finally meet Amudo. <laughs> Why aren't you filming this? Do you have your camera still? Yes, not. On to episode three. <laughs> I, love, I, I love, too, how during his first feedback, his first voicemail, he was he said, you know, this has Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell. I wonder which one will be playing the future and which one will be playing the past. Did you really have to question that? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure Wyatt was going to be playing the younger. That was that was never a doubt in my mind. Same here. Uh, yeah, yeah. W- which one was going to be playing that? Uh, but we do have one more uh, voicemail, and that one comes from Sam from Boston. Uh, this one's a little bit longer, but we're going to play it just because we love the feedback. So here we go. Awesome. Hi, it's Sam from Boston. I'm a huge Godzilla fan, so I can't wait to listen to the podcast. I know the podcast is going to make me appreciate the show so much more. I've been looking forward to this series, and it's it's here. It is here. Um, I'm 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 holding out hope. You know, this is just the beginning, so maybe you know it, it'll build in later on. And, and there's some really great parts about it. Clearly, they spent a lot of time and money on the show, which it shows on screen, which I really appreciate. The flashbacks to Godzilla in 2014 in San Francisco are amazing. I got chills at the Godzilla like yelling out part and the human cost and the destruction. And like that was really interesting. And like the evacuation center in 2015 in Tokyo, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And the actors, like, I really, I mean, the character of May, Kiersey Clemens, she steals every scene for me. She's such a talented actress. So much charisma. Kentaro's mom is 
rock star. I love her. I will, I want way more of her than the disembodied voice of Kate's mom that seems to be floating around to fill in time and space. And it's like it's doing a little bit of the fear of the Walking Dead of say it, not show it. It's like, okay, we're hearing her process it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And <laughs> but I'm like, all right. And then, of course, Kurt Russell. I mean, enough said. He is he's amazing. I cannot wait to see him having more screen time. I think that'll pull me in a little bit more. But other than those characters, I don't really care about the majority of the characters that we're running into. And I don't know if it's the writing or the pacing or the plot holes or the clunkiness of some of the lines that are coming out. But I'm really just kind of getting, you know, distracted from the story when this stuff happens. Like one of the main clunkiness is one of the pivotal points is is Kay's death. And and I know that they had to set it up and she made this really good argument in the first episode of I should go down there because then both you guys can haul me up. Makes sense. Cut to the next scene with Kay and Lee's down there now. And so I was like, well, then why was that whole discussion had? I mean, your husband's in the Navy. If you're going to make an argument of who can scale that rope faster, I guess maybe Kay. You know, maybe she could have, but that wasn't the argument she made. So I guess that sort of invalidates that. And so I was like, well, maybe he's just, maybe this, you know, Lee can provide her coverage because there's monsters probably down there. But then they said that really funny line that made me laugh where, where Billy's like, what does it look like down there? And Lee says the same as it looked up there, but closer. And so I was like, <laughs> and also then that makes no sense. There is no block in his line of sight. You could have covered her from up high, actually even better then you would have been down there. And then you could have been up there to pull her up on the rope as well. But I guess it was just a plot device. So I just sort of let that one go. Um, And then in the second episode, there was just a bunch more plot lines that just, I was like, wait a minute, how did this happen? Like when the, 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 the code was cracked, the data analyst at Monarch goes to creepy Tim and says, we found out it's in Tokyo. And so, okay, yeah, it's a big city with millions of people. Fast forward to the next scene with Creepy Tim where he's saying weird stuff to poor Kate in an airport. And then he goes, you have to give us the monarch stuff. I'm like, how did you find out it was Kate out of millions of people? She don't even live there. And I was like, okay, maybe he knows that she's Hiroshi's daughter. Still weird. Maybe, you know, they clocked her picture and stuff going into the city, but... And he's like, okay, well, Hiroshi was a monarch asset, so we're going to follow her. And this is when her flight is leaving or something. But then they go to Hiroshi's apartment, which, again, makes sense if he's a monarch asset. And then they're they're talking to him. But then he looks surprised to see Hiroshi's picture. I was like, what is happening right now? How did you – what – how did you find these people? And so like that is never really addressed. Uh, and that is, I guess, why maybe later on, I'm not sure. They don't seem to really address it. Also, when they go to the retirement home slash monarch federal prison, they are clearly being hunted down by monarch, but no one seems to know their pictures. Like this is in the same place, right? It's still in Tokyo, maybe the suburbs. Like you, they didn't send out like a mass email. I get emails all the time at work. No one said like, hey, we're looking for these two kids. They're Hiroshi's kids. Find them. Where were they might be? I don't know. Hiroshi's adoptive dad. Like, it's just barely, really weird. They're just allowed to go right on in. So like, I mean, there's just like little things that, and also the show needs to really stay away from talking about misogyny, racism, xenophobia, if they're going to make it so after school special, like they did in, in the episodes. I mean, either dig all the way into how awful it was in the 1950s 
or don't talk about it at all because it's just real clunky right now and weird to watch. So I look forward to the podcast. I'm not all grumpy about it. I do have hope that it will get better. <laughs> Sorry for the really long message. Uh, thank you, Sam, for yeah. for that. Um, I did message Sam back to let her know about the the accidental missing of it and, and that it was uh, awesome. it was going to get played on this episode. So hopefully she keeps that. Sam, keep that feedback coming because I I get some of the criticisms. Um. And, and the clunkiness that you see, I was very easily able to overlook a lot of that. Yeah. So, you know, because I was drawn into the whole Monarch series, there's been a lot of praise of this series about how they're able to do this. Like the, I forget exactly how it was quoted, but something was said that, uh, like the heart of Monarch isn't the monsters, it's the people. Yes. And I mean, Mark, and that was something that you brought up too, that this is a great series that is focusing more on the people than the monsters. It's people driven rather than monster driven. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was kind of able to, to overlook a lot of the, uh, you know, the clunkiness that you mentioned, Sam. So, but I get it. I, I totally get it. Especially if you're a huge fan of, of this property and, and such. So yeah, keep that feedback coming. Uh, over the course of the series as we cover it so we can hear your thoughts and whether or not it changes. As for, I did write down one thing she said about Lee going down with Kay instead of covering her from the top. Um, I think that plays a little bit into something I had mentioned last week when we covered the episode and that I think there was at one point an affair between oh, Lee yeah. and Kay. Yeah, we, we do see that in this particular episode too, by the way. We do? Oh, we do, and his affections for her. Yeah. Oh, we we see more affection, yes. But I I thought like you were saying like oh we saw the affair. I'm like uh, no 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 no. We see the affections for I, her. I missed something. No 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 no. <laughs> uh, we don't see that probably maybe till later. But mind you, I'm still only at episode three, so my feeling is we're gonna see something later on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but you. But you know what? Since we're there, uh, let's let's dive in. Let's dive into season yeah. one, episode three, Secrets and Lies. I I want to start off by saying that, man, I I don't have a lot of fully fledged notes. I, I do have some points to bring up. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the things is that because we and Steve kind of played into it a little bit too with his voicemails that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of tough sometimes to keep track. So I've actually started making notes anytime they mention a year and location. Aha. Yeah. Same as much <laughs> as I did for the past two episodes that we covered last episode. Yeah. Cause I kind of yeah. want to just kind of build out a timeline. Yeah. As to everything that is happening. Because again, like it's one of the things that we we mentioned last week too. This technically isn't even a present day series everything that we're seeing that is in present day for these characters still technically is a prequel to what we know of now yeah it's in the past it's still in the past yeah yeah i mean we're talking like eight years eight years in the past uh longer <laughs> no to no 2015 yeah but it's 2023 but so oh if not close to the 50s and 60s no i mean what is considered present day in the series is still eight years earlier than Oh, now. definitely. In comparison yeah. to what we've seen in the movies too. And keep 
in mind, listeners, if you've watched those movies, keep your thoughts of what happened within those movies and people that were involved within those movies too, because there is one key particular character that is mentioned within this episode that we're going to discuss. Oh, I must've missed that. So I'm going to leave that to you when we get to that point. Okay. Um, um, but, but yeah, real quick, I, I want to say, um, I felt like this series, what this episode in particular Episodes one and two were great character setups. They introduced us to, they showed us this lived in world that we kind of know already from the movies. And they gave us these introductions to these characters. This episode in particular felt a little bit slower Mm -hmm. compared to the last two. It did. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think this was the one that took, Okay, one and two gave us the characters. Episode three is now positioning those characters to the beginning of the story or to the beginning of the adventure. Mm -hmm. And now four and beyond, we're diving into the adventure. Yeah, literally what what we're getting is is that Kentaro, Kate, Amber are actually full on in and they realize that these things do exist. And they get... Amber is Kentaro's ex-girlfriend slash, you know, media. Uh, you, you, you mean May? Amber. Uh, who, who, who is Amber? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, the one who deciphered all the stuff from Monarch for him. Yeah, that's May. May? Why am I that, getting her name names is, all Kier- mixed up? Kiersey Clemens' character is May. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> why did like, I like, have her as Amber? I don't know why. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, uh, you know, basically they're they're getting involved in this and they actually do see something at, at the end of this episode, which is pretty cool. And I really do enjoy the fact that they are finally on par with what Lee knows and what Kate has already encountered in San Francisco. And what Kentaro thinks he is known in Japan. So, and then on top of that, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about something about the beginning credit scene. Now, we never okay. really talked about that. And that's something that is really important to me. A lot of people kind of oversee this stuff. And uh, we haven't talked about it because we kind of breezed over with the first two episodes. We kind of went in, jumped into the story jumped into the idea of what we're going to talk about within this show. But I loved how we get, uh, you know, blacked out documents of Monarch within it. So kind of like how when uh, they released all the information about UFOs within the United States and everything was blacked out. <laughs> the re- redacted information. The redacted information, exactly. Yes. And they kind of black it all out. Uh, there are images of the holes with lights projecting from them, similar to, Lee, uh, similar to what, uh, what Keiko, when Keiko fell into that hole or mm-hmm. that, that cavern with the, the Mudos. Uh, we see that come out. Uh, we get to see, uh, 
Hiroshi pictures with his family, a picture of Hiroshi with Kentaro and his mother dangle at some point, and then it falls from the other pictures. Mind you, the rest with Kate are still solid, which is very interesting. Okay. And uh, I found that interesting. I, I kind of tried to analyze everything that was going on within it in the very beginning. Uh, Godzilla's footprint shows up too. Uh, San Francisco side by side with uh, Tokyo on either side with both lands together, flat together, but you see the sky on either side, meaning that there's something in between. So it, it kind of moves into uh, the whole earth talk that we had spoke about, you know, in the previous episode of podcast. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, the Muto eggs, we get to see that. That's kind of like a, a symbol there. Two planes are shown side by side, one with propellers and one that's a pretty much like a small single jet, like a, a private jet. Which we we actually do see both of those planes in this episode. Yes. We do see the the dual prop plane, which is the plane that they take to Alaska, and then the single the 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 jet could be the monarch jet that we saw that agent come out of mm-hmm. at one point during the episode. And the last image that we do get is of two images of Godzilla side by side. One on the left side, San Francisco, and then on the right side, it's Tokyo. Which okay. we have seen Godzilla there before. Well, I mean, we've seen as far as this timeline goes, we have seen to this point in the timeline, we have seen Godzilla in San Francisco. We have not yet seen him in Tokyo. Correct. He has not yet reached the shores of Tokyo. We know he will Mm. in the future, but as of this point in the series, he has not yet reached Tokyo. Yeah. So the, the intro scenes try to give way. So if you guys could actually pick out that and send in feedback regarding that, that'd be great (laughs) because uh, it's interesting because a lot of shows like to intertwine whatever what's going on or what's going to happen within the show within the intro images. And I think that's what they're going to be doing within this particular show at certain points. I I didn't notice because I did think about that too. And I didn't, really see any differences in those images between episodes one, two, and three. It looks like it's all the same opening. Um, But you're right. There is a lot of stuff to analyze in that because it all, it is all split screen. So it's almost, it it has multiple meanings other than just all the information that you mentioned. Um, It could be, uh, you know, it could be, it could be representative of a, of a double life. Yes. Uh, which we know from Hiroshi um, and we know, and it could also be representative of two different locations connected, which could be Tokyo and San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, Which like you mentioned, kind of dives into the hollow earth theory that has been mentioned in the series. And we kind of dove into a little bit last week. Yeah. And which is involved too within the movies itself. Yes, we we get a lot more of that information in uh, Godzilla versus Kong is when we really start to uh, really start to dive into that. 
That is true. And 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 that is revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's a good pool. And I actually meant to talk about that a little bit last week, and I just never, <laughs> never did. <laughs> so, uh, but I do enjoy the fact that this episode really, like, it kicks off pretty much right from the beginning. We we leave off right from where the episode two ended with all of them with Kate um, and um, the, and Kate and see now I almost called her Amber (laughs) because of you, (laughs) but Kate and may and Kentaro, uh, you know, at this facility, this asset reset asset retainment facility. I still love that. That's what it's called. Asset retainment. Um, you know, with with Lee, the, the Kurt Russell version of Lee. Uh, and then it kicks right into the adventure with them escaping, you know, driving the van, almost driving through the pillars, backing out, driving through the main gate. Um, and they do it with a little bit of humor and levity as well with, you know, him not being able to find a place to slot the key. Yeah. And, yeah. Not realizing it's a push button ignition. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, things have changed. Yeah, but and at the same time too, they all, yeah, at the same time they also play with it a little bit more too. When like when May says that she's going to search Google, and she's like, "Do you know what Google is?" And he's like, <laughs> "I haven't been in solitary confinement." <laughs> he just so has he driven know, a car. <laughs> yeah, he does know some things. Yeah, he just he's still just a little behind on uh, on some other things. That is true. Yeah, I, I, I love that aspect of this, uh, the fact of time and then how he's been incarcerated all this time. And the younglings, as I like to call them, younglings, uh, are like, here, oh, do you know how to drive a car? <laughs> it's like, yeah. how do you turn it on? And it's like, oh, hit the button. Now, mind you, in the 50s, guess what did they have? A button to turn on a car. They did? Yeah, don't you remember Back to the Future? Uh, um, he turns the key in the DeLorean. No, 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 not the DeLorean. I'm talking Biff with his car, and there's a push button. I I don't remember that, but we're not we're not going to debate. <laughs> we're not going to debate that <laughs> right now. So, all right. But- I no, I think he had like a like. I, th- I don't think, no, I think Biff's car still had a, a key. I think he just had a switch that cut it off. Possibly. So that but, nobody could start it but him. But regardless, it still had a yeah, regardless. push button. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> yes. Um, two lines of dialogue that uh, are mentioned in this episode. Okay. I wanted to make sure I brought this up because we did have a couple different theories that came up last week. And one of the theories that came up last week between the two of us is the fact that Lee should be much older than he actually is. You know, you look at what age John Goodman was playing Bill, playing the older version of Bill. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, John Goodman and Kurt Russell are probably about the same age. And but Bill was that age in 1970. And Lee is this age now in 2015 he should definitely be much older and mm-hmm. may calls that fact right out. Yeah. Something episode. that I actually, uh, probably should apologize for because I used that last episode when we covered the first two 
Oh, did you? I didn't even pick up on it. Yeah, I did. And I'm sorry for those listeners who are finally caught up. It happens within this particular episode. She goes, aren't you like 90? Oh, that's right. I think I did say I don't remember that being said. Yeah. So that was this particular episode. So, yeah, they were in the plane at that point. But I did, but I did like that because like they asked like, oh, when was Monarch start? And he said, oh, I don't know, sometime around like the late 1940s. And she's like, oh, well, wouldn't that make you around 90? And he's like, what can I say? I've got good genes. And I'm like, this plays right into our theory that he, something is up with his age. Yeah, there is. That he should be much, much older than he actually is, which we theorized I think is because he was somewhere in the hollow earth and time slows down. Yes. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to repeat this because I think this is why my reasoning, why I think it's because he was searching for Kiko. Yeah. I I'm still on board with that thought too, in a sense that uh, we could tell within this particular episode, because of his uh, interactions with Keiko and how his uh, concern for her. Yeah. And I his think- relationship with Bill as well, too, by the way. If yeah. you, you just, I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it. No. It, uh, well, dive into that a little bit. All right. Uh, there's a moment uh, about when the government starts coming in, Lee gets them involved. And Lee winds up getting the grant, like uh, literally just an open check mm-hmm. from Monarch after all set events at, at the, uh, the the island at that point. And the fact that the way he stated it is that, you know, Lee stating uh, to the general gave him a blank check for the research all due to him stating what if one of those things showed up in New York or Washington and it's just feeding on the government's fear or, you know, everything else, which now will fund Monarch completely, which was unofficial at that point. It wasn't official until the government really put it into play, uh, which is technically now officially Monarch with Lee Keiko and Bill running the show. Bill asks, what is it to stop, them to you know go public and lee states that divulging a secret (laughs) h bomb -bomb explosion will result into a treason and can cover it up he states because they electrocuted the rosenbergs so uh, i have a little bit more about the rosenbergs but uh, the conversation with keiko and bill and Lee at this point is it's pretty much interesting in the fact that Keiko presents that it won't be a lie to the government if they don't tell them everything is a secret. You know, you know, it, it would be a secret. Bill, it's, a- yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the whole uh, it, kind of to sum up the conversation. It's Lee tells them, uh, you know, I have to report what you tell me, but if you don't tell me everything, yeah. I have the quote. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So basically Bill states, uh, all I can tell him is that what you tell me and I trust what you tell me, everything that I need to know. 
meaning what he would actually have to give to the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's literally, but it, it's focused more on Keiko than it is of Bill. Well, Bill says flat out in that conversation, you know, like, do you trust us? And Lee doesn't really respond. And Bill immediately responds, well, do you trust her? Yes. Bill Bill kind of knows that he is, when it comes to him and Keiko, or Kiko, I still don't know how. I still Keiko. never, it, it's Keiko, okay. I, when it comes to Bill and Keiko, Bill knows Keiko is the stronger connection to Lee. Oh, yes. He knows it. Um, I don't think he necessarily, I think at this point in the, in the timeline in 1954, I don't yet think there has been any kind of relationship between Keiko and Lee. Um, I think it's still developing at this point, but I think we're seeing early onsets to that. I'm starting to feel the same way as well. Uh, Yeah. But the thing is, there's that trust between individually between all three to some degree, you know, it's, you know, it's a triumphant. They, they are glued together within this particular monarch. If you think. Yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, because this is, as, as you kind of made mention of last week as well, this is the beginning of Monarch. These are, it's, I mean, technically, Bill and Keiko are the two that started Monarch, but Lee is just as much involved mm-hmm. now at this point. He is, because before, before Lee was actually with Keiko before Bill was, and meaning as far as a partnership, not a relationship. Correct. Because Bill discovers them out in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lee was already assigned to, you know, Keiko. to Keiko at that time. Yeah. So Bill is actually the third one to come in, not Lee, but the three of them together are technically the origin of Monarch. They are yeah. the ones that have put together, like Bill and Keiko are the scientists, and Lee is the t- technically the money man, but also the connection to the government. Yeah. Uh, which makes me state that Bill was pretty much when Lee actually mentioned it in the, the plane saying to the kids that it was the late forties, meaning that it was more bill that had started it for the fact that him as being a cryptozoologist and Mm. him being involved with that started that kind of wave or including Keiko too. Keiko was more involved too before they actually all met as well. And I think between both of them, the information that they've gathered, all that kind of culminated into how Monarch started. Now, obviously, we do see how Monarch actually truly starts with the government within this particular episode, which I just do enjoy. Yeah, we get that that connection because the episode, the episode with, I I have to say a fantastic transition of seeing Kurt Russell and then the screen shifts into Wyatt Russell. Oh yeah. The face shift, the the transition. Yeah. And if at any point you did not yet realize these two are related, 
that is the <laughs> moment right there because like it's like oh you just like de-youthed kurt russell no that's actually his son um <laughs> so like yeah if you i had that in my notes too is that transition from kurt to wyatt uh, right. is fantastic but yeah you have you know now we're getting the u.s government involved mm-hmm. and this is actually the first time because when lee introduces himself to general puckett mm-hmm. well we've already met general puckett in the in the first episode but yes uh you know, when he when they're reunited again, he says, welcome to Monarch. So at this point, their organization of Monarch has already been established. It's the three of them. They have a location, a headquarters. Uh, and you're right. We get General Puckett. We get the U.S. government involved. Mm-hmm. And now because they need the financing to do it. Yeah. And they show him a footprint of a Titan, which we know as Godzilla at the, by the end of the episode, we know what I was very curious. I was very curious too. I was like, Oh, I hope that's Godzilla. It is. And we know, we know, we know it is now. We know it is now. But the thing is that they use that. They actually got a physical print, which that thing is huge. (laughs) How long would that thing be? How did they get it? There is my question. Yeah. And a hanger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like i like you obviously have some kind of resources because you were able to get that entire huge footprint you were able to unearth it and then bring it to your headquarters yeah um you know which is obvious which is in the united states so you did have some kind of funding but yeah they needed the funding actually i think i want to correct myself a little bit they the connection to the government was not for funding initially. It was because they needed the uranium. Correct. And the government was what had the uranium. So they needed to form a partnership with the government to get the uranium to kind of appease the Titan. Exactly. Or or the creature at this point, it eventually becomes a blank check because Mm. they need, because of what happens on the Island. Yeah, and what uh, happens on the island literally uh so we know Lee actually speaks to his superior. He's a one uh, single star general. He had to go up four people above him in order to get that uranium which is literally at that point with the government and military they see it as a bomb to destroy because the way actually Lee states to him is that it's uh, 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 basically a global threat. So that's their way of trying to get their uranium, but Keiko doesn't see it that way. Even Bill doesn't, but Bill is on the opposite side of going crazy and saying, hey, we'll exploit it. Uh, and then, of course, Lee is like, well, you know what they did with the Rosenbergs. But the thing is, is also they they wind up getting this this bomb and they see what happens with uh, with drawing it out, and they actually do mention that the creatures do suck the radiation. They they feed on it. They do mm-hmm. not like expose anything to radiation. They're absorbing it. So well, and and we see that in the first episode as well. In yeah, that. They're tracing the radiation, but yet when they get to ground zero of where the radiation should be, mm-hmm. there's nothing there. Yeah. 
And on top of that, uh, we do get flashbacks that we've seen in other movies where we do see uh, Godzilla's spines uh, during that whole introduction within this particular episode. Now, mind you, this is where you don't have to watch the uh, the movies, but it shows up where you do see that 8mm footage of the actual spines itself of Godzilla in the sea. And oh, I didn't even put that together, that the photos of the spines coming out of the water that we see in the first movie, this is that moment from where those photos came from. As well as the beach chairs. With yeah, the military I, in it, too, by the I way. I didn't even put that together. Well, because it has been a while since I've seen that, Godz- that Godzilla movie, so that wasn't kind of fresh in my head. I feel like maybe now I need to go back and watch that before the next episode. They are good rewatches, but everything kind of fillers in, and I think Legendary, what they're doing with the show as well as with the movies, is key points of – hey, we have footage of this. It was in those films. We're basically reintroducing it to show the lore of everything. And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. They're taking, yeah, they're, they're taking the timeline and they're giving us moments that kind of fill in empty gaps. Mm. Yes. Which is, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And the Bikini Atoll uh, in 1954, when they do this whole bomb explosion thing. So mind you, it's 1954. Godzilla blows it up. But I, I just love that whole painting of the monster on, on the bomb. And they do the circle with the slash through mm-hmm. it, just like a Ghostbuster sign. Yeah. And they do that. Well, and. Well, and Godzilla also does not blow up the bomb. The government does. The government does. They actually yeah. blow it up, and he just absorbs the radiation. Now, the fallout of the wind and everything else goes there, but there was a point where Keiko was trying to stop the military at a certain point, and then Lee stops her. Well, because at that point, it was too late. It was the, too the, late, but it the was, fact – yeah. But you could see his affections for her, and he stops her. Mind you, you know, Bill is just standing there watching like anybody else. Yeah. Well, and and it's what's very curious to me, though, is in that moment as well, is, you know, obviously with a blast like that, with a hydrogen bomb like that, there's going to be the the mushroom cloud, and the mushroom cloud is going to stick around for a while. Mm -hmm. But, and we do see that Keiko was pretty much she looks up and she is looking out at the island as to where the bomb was and Godzilla came up. I'm assuming I guess we're just led to believe that Godzilla escaped because we don't see it, but no. it had to have been relatively quick. Oh, because so. because if if the mushroom cloud dissipates and he's not there, mm-hmm. See, there's got to be more to that. We're we're gonna have to see more of the, of that scene because the government's gonna need confirmation that he is gone. Um, yeah, that was 150 kinda, pounds of uranium right there. They kind of 
they kind of skip over it. Like, cause the next time we see them after that, we see them back at Monarch headquarters and that's when Lee tells them they have the blank check. Yeah. But I mean, I would assume that at some point after the radiation dissipates and they're able to go back to that area again, they're going to investigate to see if they can find pieces of Godzilla. Oh, they're only not to discover their, Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> they're going to discover that nothing is there, yeah. but maybe, Maybe because of the heavy radiation, it is just a place they can't go to yet. So when we're seeing Lee telling them about the blank check, it's still a waiting period before they can get back there. Yes. Because I would think even a scientist, like even if they couldn't study Godzilla alive, they would still go to find remnants of Godzilla to study in hopes that any little thing they learn from it could potentially help them. I can't see them. It would be a huge gaping hole to like plot hole to, Oh, let's blow Godzilla up, but we're just going to leave it alone now. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're just going to leave the pieces of him over at, you know, over at the Island, yeah. um, you know, and not research it. Like that would make them really incompetent scientists for one. Uh, yes. And two, just, you know, it's the whole death off screen thing. You know, if it happens off screen, it sometimes, most of the time, it didn't actually happen. Uh, and that is the case for Godzilla. <laughs> and walking, uh, uh, fear the walking dead. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going into fear the walking dead because then I'm going to start talking about beer balloons and all this other. Yeah, I know, stuff. I know. Well, look, um, we digressed. I mean, unless. Is there a potential that there was more than one Godzilla? Uh, it's a possibility. I don't think so. I think this is. I I, I think that. Well, was hold on, no, no, no. All right, all right, uh, all right. Just so, to let's uh, explore that. Let's uh, let's explore it just a little bit. All right. So in Kong Skull Island, what did we learn? There were other Kongs. There yes. was a mommy and a daddy Kong. And then the Kong we know was young. And still growing. Well, and that's what made me kind of think about it a little bit, too, because Godzilla, when he approached the island and he approached the bomb, to, at least in my opinion, seemed smaller than the Godzilla yes. we get in 2013, 2014. Correct. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking this is I'm thinking that bomb explosion and the radiation it gave off is what helps him to become the Godzilla that we a know. more svelter kind of Godzilla that we had seen in 2014. More swole Godzilla, swole. <laughs> <laughs> like swole. The kind brute. of the kind of Godzilla. <laughs> if he spoke and you could speak to him, your first question would be, "Whoa, do you lift, bro?" Um, yeah, no, that's totally ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm thinking these are things that have consequences to this. Yeah. And that bomb is what is the reason why Godzilla is as large as he is. Or it could just be progression because it is about 30 years. I, more than that, 30, 40 plus years. Uh, God, wow, wow. Hold on. My timeline is way off. It's 54. <laughs> so it's almost <laughs> 70 years. <laughs> Not 30. Forgive my math. Um, um, yeah, well, also you have to factor into it was the 69th anniversary of Godzilla about two weeks ago. So I, I said almost 70, so <laughs> I'm, I'm about a year off. Uh, but yeah, so like it, my math was just way off. Um, 
but again, like I think just the same way that you're right, you Godzilla or Kong, when we first meet him on Kong Island, yeah, is smaller than the Kong that we get in 2019, I think 2018, 2019. For no, let's say 2018, Godzilla versus, Godzilla versus Kong was t- 2020, 2020, it came out, yes, yeah, so. And he is a bigger Kong. He Correct. is on par with Godzilla. So size wise. So, yeah, I mean, it's I don't think this is a different Godzilla. There's a possibility it could have been. And they actually did kill whoever that was. Yeah, that wasn't Godzilla. That was a sibling of Godzilla. <laughs> um but I don't know. I think it's a wait and see. I hope the show kind of shows us a little bit more about that. More continuity. It doesn't kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't kind of write it off like it seems like this episode did. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, th- there was so much going on within the episode that we, we both enjoyed. And I do agree. One of which is Tim, the agent from Monarch, who is like the typical computer desk jockey that's out there with the French uh, agent from Monarch and he gets yelled at by his superior at the, uh, because he lost Kate and Kentaro and the rest of them. Yeah. And to also find out that he was kind of going rogue a little bit, a little bit. Do and, all this. Yeah. There, there's a whole little conversation that we get out of this, that I was really interested in. And I'm like, wait, who is this guy? Oh my god! I'm like, I, at first I thought his name was Sam, but it's really Tim. Well, you also thought May was Amber, exactly. So yeah, <laughs> I, I had to look it up, but I actually, you know, I did this before actually when I was creating my notes because as I was watching this show and I was listening, I heard Sam, and I'm like, and then I go to the people that were in the actual episode, like Joe Tippett plays Tim, and that's his face. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. It's Tim. All right, fine. So I'm still curious about Tim and his part within the company. I I think he is better than a lot of people that are within Monarch. His superior asks why he didn't bring her the information to her or Dr. Sarazawa, who is the other person that we're eliminating that we forgot that was from the movie. Gotcha. Okay. When you said the name, I think I must have missed it when she said it. Yeah. Because it yeah. didn't click, but it clicked when you said it. Yeah. So Sarazal was still alive at this point. So this dates before Godzilla King of the Monsters, where Sarazawa actually kind of sacrificed himself in giving or getting the radiation to Godzilla in the not hollow earth, but down in the uh, depths of where uh, an ancient Land like an ancient kingdom. Correct. Uh, is, like Atlantis. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. I mean, which according to the timeline, you're right. That has not happened yet. So Sarazawa is still alive at this point. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love how she, you know, she's an agent of Monarch, uh, a higher up. And he and Tim is stuck with this other French agent as well. But I find it funny how 
the the French agent is like, oh, me and my partner need to continue this. I'm like, what does she have? What information did she get on her phone during that conversation in between yeah. the superior and herself that she needed Tim for? What does Tim know that she didn't know that she needs? So and and there's kind of there's a part of me that now that you bring up Sarazawa, there's a part of me because we know from from what we know from Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters, mm-hmm. we know that he is very much on the side of the Titans. He wants the Titans to survive. He knows that like this is their planet. Like he is in he's he is there to the protect the planet. He is on the side to protect the Titans. Yes. So it almost makes me think that possibly that call came from Sarazawa himself. Hmm. Um, like he probably knows because whoever this agent is that got off the plane and is, you know, and, and is addressing Tim and, and the other agent that he is with, we don't know her name yet. We don't know who she is, uh, where she, what part she plays with Monarch. Um, but she does mention Sarazawa. Like, why didn't you bring this information to us or even him? There's a part of me now that's thinking maybe he does know what's going on. He knows that Tim is there for the, uh, for the protection of like that. He has good intentions in what he's doing. Correct. And, He's going against whoever this other agent is and saying, like, keep this on the down low, but I'm with you. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah, literally, because uh, his higher up says to her, says to Tim, saying, um, our mission is more important than your mission. Mm. And literally, Tim has his own mission, which is literally to take care of these Titans take care of everything else. And I find it funny that the, the French agent at, like, hold on. <laughs> it's like, I need well, my partner. And it's well, like, and yeah, we don't know yet at this point, what Tim's objective really is. We just know that he, he's trying to get a hold of Kate. He's trying to get a hold of Kentaro. Like he, he, he knows they have this information and he wants, he wants them because they have this information. We, it hasn't been revealed yet what his intentions are. Correct. Of getting them. But we did talk a little bit about that last week in the sense of saying that maybe he does really have good intentions. He really does want to help them. He's just going about things a little bit the wrong way by like blindfolding her in the car. Yeah. Um, he's being a little overzealous about what he's doing. Yeah. In in the way he's going about it. So I like we don't know what what Tim's intentions are. I'm with you though. I think his intentions are good. I think, yeah, I definitely think his intentions are good. But when it came up to about Lee Shaw, it kind of like sparked certain little uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, maybe Lee had a child, and maybe it was Tim. <laughs> but oh, I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think Tim is Lee's son. That it would be, be interesting if it was, though. But uh, I, I, out of the right wing, everybody that was in my head, I was like, uh, maybe Tim is. His- oh, who? Who? This guy, Tim? Oh, he's my son. By the way, I also slept with. I, I also slept with um, Keiko. Oh, God. I also slept with Keiko, which means you might be my daughter, which means Tim's actually your half brother. <laughs> 
All right. Now we're getting a little all my. Now children. we're getting a little bit off, but you know, yeah. regardless, we're gonna move on. That was my little like. Oh, hold on. I'm gonna go far right. <laughs> we're not but gonna I mean, do like, that. I, no, but and uh, what I like about what this series is doing is, like, there are certain. Like, there's always been complications. Like, in the first Godzilla, Monarch seemed like an almost evil company, but there were elements of it, like like Kurosawa, who you mentioned, who yeah. were definitely on the side of good in wanting to protect the Titans. It's It has seemed that there's always units within Monarch that are working against each other. There are two yes. different sides of Monarch that have two different objectives. Government-based and independent-based, I think. Exactly. And yeah. what this series is really giving us a good vision of is that the intentions of Monarch from the start, from the very beginning, were always good intentions. Yes. It was for the research and the protection of the Titans to learn more about them, not to destroy them. And that was the original origin of Monarch. And I'm liking, because this series is called Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, mm -hmm. it's Obviously, Monarch is the the focal point of the series because between what we know from this series in nineteen in the late nineteen forties of Monarch's origin mm -hmm. to the Monarch that we see after Godzilla versus Kong that I mentioned has is helping with relief efforts and everything else. It seems that Monarch, over the course of this 70, 80 years, has had inner turmoil has fought to within itself to kind of reveal a purpose for itself. And by the end, or at least by present day, our present day yeah, has finally realized what it's meant to be. And that is for the help and the protection of not just the Titans and the human race, but a coexistence between the two. Yes. So I, I like that this series is really giving us that deeper dive into Monarch and we're we're kind of getting all that inner turmoil, um, but in the form of a fun adventure story uh, with seems like there's espionage, um, <laughs> you know, conspiracies. It's it's just so interesting to me that I'm so it's only episode three. And I'm already drawn into it. Yeah, it, it engages you by the end of episode yes. two to continue to watch, go, what is more within this story? I really want to know. Now, do you see, do you think we'll see at some point, can Wantanabe pop up as Kurosawa? I hope to see him towards the end of the or Sarazawa, not Kar not Kurosawa. Season. Sarazawa. Yeah. yeah Sarazawa. I, I, I look forward to seeing Sarazawa towards the end of this season. I hope we get a cat. I hope we get a Ken Watanabe cameo. Same here. Yeah. I, I would love to see him pop up as Sarazawa again. I would love to see a couple familiar faces. Yeah. Show up. And 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 I'm almost curious because technically, well. I don't know. This kind of throws in another theory. Mm -hmm. Do we think Lee is going to make it to the end? Um, because we haven't seen hmm. Lee or even mention of his character in Godzilla King of Monsters or Godzilla versus Kong. Or maybe this last two seasons and 
it follows up because it takes a while for King of the Monsters. Mm, no, King of the Monsters is only two years later. Yeah, it's meaning we could do another year. Well, but the, oh, so he could make it to the end of this season. Correct. Um, I'm, uh, I'm almost wondering if this season is going to wrap, or at least whenever it wraps, whether it's this season or the next season. Because you're right, that could have been a good reason why this is set three years before King of the Monsters, is that it gives them ample opportunity to do multiple seasons. Correct. Before it's caught up to a point in the timeline. <laughs> um, so they could do a good two, three, four seasons before it gets to that point. Um I mean, it doesn't have to be linear either. Like the season two could start off right when season one ends. Mm -hmm. So it's it's seasons one and two could literally just be a matter of six months. Um, doesn't have to be a full year. So they could technically do as many seasons as they want. Um, but I'm almost wondering when Lee's story wraps, whether it's one season, two seasons or whatever, mm -hmm. is it going to wrap in a sad way where he's no longer with us or is it going to be in a way where he's been kind of hidden and now they have an opportunity to bring him back in the next film? Oh, that would be a big paycheck for Mr. Kurt Russell. You think? <laughs> <laughs> and Lee, Wyatt, too, because, because they we, could easily, easily go back in time in the movie, too. There's a, there's a part of me, too, that was thinking about that. And I was like, I wonder if any point in the series, they're going to find a way to put Ken or to put Kurt and Wyatt in the same scene. Oh, that would be interesting. I don't know how they could do it, but I feel like the writers, I, there's a part of me that thinks the writers had to try to find a way to do it. Oh, I'm sure they they'll find a way. It's kind um, of like Godzilla lore. <laughs> but I mean, but by and again, this is kind of spoilery for the movies if you haven't seen the movies. But we do know that the Hollow Earth exists. Yes, we do know that is Kong's new place to live. Mm -hmm. We do know that their humans can get there. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't see a lot of it to even know if humans are already there. Correct, um, because we know that it the there have been there's already been research into it to know that people exist so who's to say that by the time this series ends and lee's story ends he ends up in the hollow earth and that's where and he was there when that's wh when they took kong there in godzilla versus kong yeah and also this he is, was already there yeah well this is also going into uh the lore of the hollow earth and what we know from uh, Godzilla versus Kong at the very end, we see a, sh like a, a throne and there are small doors, there are small steps and everything, meaning that there are small people or that's right. I forgot so about the throne. there's that there too. So who's to say that people have been involved with creating hollow earth from, for eons all, all this time in I'm history I'm telling you, I, I honestly think it's, it's my theory. I came up with this last episode and I'm going to stick with Go ahead. it. I think at some point that's where Lee was. Mm -hmm. And he, he lived a life back. with Keiko. He lived a life with Keiko and I would not be surprised if Keiko was still there. I would not be surprised either. So when we took Kong there, she was already there. Mm-hmm. And again, 
That's where Lee could be now, too, depending on how his story ends. Or why he wants to go on this adventure. Well, right now, I think he wants to go on this venture because he wants to find Hiroshi. Uh, exactly. And I'm pretty um, sure Hiroshi is in Hollow Earth with well, uh, well, his mother. Yeah, and, and there's a part of me that kind of thinks the reason why he wants to find Hiroshi is because something drew him out of something drew Lee out of the hollow earth mm -hmm. and he wants to get back, but can't. Yeah. Something is holding he, him back, but he knows. No, I think he just can't find his way. I think whatever way he had there before probably closed or collapsed or something, hmm. but he knows Hiroshi knows another way. Mm. And then he has his Hiroshi's kids. They have the information. Yep. He's got May. <laughs> so they could yeah. easily find it themselves at this point. So I, I think it's a mission for himself, too. He sees it as a guiding point to get where Kate, he needs to be. Yeah. Kate, May, Kantaro, and Hiroshi are his key to getting back to Hollow Earth. Yeah. I think that is his ultimate goal. All right. Well, Let's get back to the actual episode because we. This we, is all part of the episode. It's theory. <laughs> it's theory, but it le, let's talk about uh, Duho. Duho. I was hoping you would say that. I would love that character. I'm. I love that character. I love the actor too. Oh man, I, we we got to see him and Jessica Jones years ago. Years and years ago, he's amazing. Well, he was only in one episode of Jessica Jones. Bruce Beck. Yeah, well, honestly, he, you know, I, I remember him seeing in that in that one episode. But he's okay. a character actor, and he's been around, and he's been in New York, uh, does film and, and theater. But uh, the, what character he gives to this character, Duho, is amazing. Because they show up at Customs in South Korea at that point. And Lee's like, oh, oh, we're waiting for this line. Mind you, the guy is right in front of them. Duho is right in front of them. But the, it's not until they get he says something about terrorism that they grab him and the kids and they take him out. And then Duho comes to their their the, as their savior and, and tosses the uh, the other security guard into the. Uh, but he didn't hold back his punches, unfortunately, yeah. to Lee. <laughs> well, I mean, and I thought that was so I thought that was so brilliant, too, because you're right. They walk into the passport line and there's line one and line two. And you're right. He sees Duho behind the glass at line one. He's like, oh, I think we're supposed to be in line two. And it played <laughs> out so well. It perfectly. Because, well. Yeah, because the fact that he was pulled out of line one to or line two to go and forced to go into line one made it so much more believable to everybody else in that customs that there was no cahoots between the two of them, mm -hmm. even though there absolutely was. And that scene right there just goes to show you the knowledge that Lee has about governments and how to exploit it. Oh, yeah. Like, Lee is incredibly intelligent. Yeah. And that scene shows it. And, well... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe intelligent isn't the word to use. Cunning, cunning in the sense the that he knows how they're going to react to basic uh, words yes. and things he, of that nature. Yeah, he knows how governments work. 
whether they're his or another country's, and he knows how to exploit it. He's very cunning in that sense. Mm. So I thought that I thought that was really fun to kind of sit and watch that scene play out. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And the fact that it's like Duho is like, let's go. <laughs> it's like, all right. It's like, get what in. Took you so long. What yeah. took you so long. It's like you don't hold back your punches. Oh, oh. <laughs> and and you could tell the camaraderie between uh Duho and Lee, how they are right away. And yeah, and I, it shows in the airplane too. I kind of hope we get a little bit more of a backstory. I hope in so. how the two of them met. Yeah, because all he says is that I have a friend and then we meet him at the customs office and then we see them fly. And then unfortunately, we see Duho's end mm-hmm. uh, on the island. So I kind of hope that, you know, with other flashbacks, we're going to get an earlier see, version I, of Duho. And well, yeah, I don't. It would be interesting, though, to see that because, you know, I didn't mention that line that May says to to Lee about wouldn't that make you 90 years old? Duho has a similar line. He tells him, you look younger every time. Yeah. Every time I see you, you look younger. Yeah. Yeah. So like. There's there has to be something more to them and their friendship, yeah. like, and we need to see it because it wouldn't surprise me to see that there actually is a huge age difference between the two of them, mm. because Lee's aging is slowed down. That is true. So I I don't know. I I want to see it. I want to see more of a backstory between those two characters. Same here. I I would love to see that as a. Uh... Within the next two or three episodes, like a backstory or something, a mission that they were on during Monarch in its early years, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but that kind of leads us to, you know, them landing in Alaska and finding the plane. Um, um, well, let, let's let's go what to what was leading up to that. Uh, they actually get on the plane. That Duho actually accesses, and it gets to a point where they hit a lot of turbulence because of what May actually she finds out where exactly it was through Bill's original sketches because she was going through all the paperwork of Monarch at that time on her computer. So a lot of it is all sketched out and written out, and it, even Lee points out he goes, "That's Bill's handwriting. This is in the area that he was actually." talking about and a lot of where Hiroshi went was literally where Bill was pointing out on his paperwork from Monarch. So they lead out and they go into that. So Lee actually recognizes Bill Rand's earlier writing with scribbles as it were. And they, they know because it's not Alaska, it's, they're they're heading towards Alaska, but Alaska is not the uh, the endpoint. So they they kind of figure out the exact location of where they need to be. Uh, they get some sort of uh, what what was it? Uh, some sort of radiation or some sort of turbulence, 
at a certain point. I, I think it's just turbulence. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Lee takes over from Duho and he goes, oh, he goes, oh. And then Duho actually says it. He goes, oh, Lee's, he, he knows how to uh, the fly on the seat of his pants. <laughs> and then he just does that. And well, then, Lee even says it in the beginning of the episode, too, that like, if it can drive or fly, then I can do it. Yeah. You know. I just love how Kate's in the passenger seat and he goes, no, you need to be here because I need my co-pilot. And he goes, here, uh, go what's under your seat, grab it. And it's a bottle, you know, a bottle. He goes, take a swig. And she goes, it's just water. And then she puts it on the, on the dashboard of the actual plane. And he uses it as pretty much like an altitude. Yeah, he point. uses it as an altimeter. An altimeter, and it, it works is, perfectly. Which is so, so cunning. Yeah. And he was able to land the plane, and which, yeah, yeah everybody was like, surely at their depth, thinking, oh, we're going to die because they were going so far down. And uh, Kate is like laughing hysterically along with Lee, showing, honestly, in, in my opinion, it, it just looked like, okay, that's a family trait. I, yeah, I'm telling you, I think there is a chance that that Kate is his granddaughter. great granddaughter. <laughs> not, not great granddaughter. It'd be granddaughter. Or granddaughter. Yeah, because Keiko was Keiko was his, was her grandmother. Yeah. So yeah, I, right. I think there's a chance that I I really do think there's a chance that Lee might be <laughs> Kate's Kate's uh, Kate's uh, grandfather. Yeah. Uh, so, which was... would also make Kentaro his grandson too. Correct. But this is actually a family adventure, and I don't know if they really realize it yet. No, I don't think well, they do. Lee might know. Lee might know to some degree, but he's yeah. not saying a damn thing. Because <laughs> Lee, Lee would know whether or not the child was his, whether Hiroshi was his or not at um, this point. That is true. So if they are related, Lee knows it. Or, yeah, Lee knows it. Hmm. He's just not revealing, but that, but that's kind of seems to be the kind of person that Lee is as well. He seems to keep his cards close to his chest. He does. He doesn't reveal until he has to reveal. Yeah. Uh, it, you saw that in, when they actually approached him at the Monarch facility. Yeah. Yeah. So we already knew that ahead of time and he yeah, always questioned he, them regarding their, incentives and what they wanted out of it. Yeah. Meaning, he's, he's somebody yeah. who keeps his cards. He plays his cards close to his chest. So if he is Lee and Kentaro's grandfather, he's not revealing it until the time is right. Yeah, that is true. You know, because he needs to earn their trust first before he can even reveal something like that. Yeah, well, he, he of all people that he's not earning that trust with is Kentaro. Kate, I think he already has. Well, I would question both, actually. I think... Really? Okay. I, 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 I don't think he has Kate yet. Um, and I, I, But I think he has actually a little bit more of Kentaro's than he does Kate. Hmm. Kate doesn't like the fact that she's been drug into this. She just kind of wants... To, she even says it, like... I. I, I just kind of want to go. Like, I don't know what would be a bigger punch to the gut. Finding out my father's dead, like finding out my father is actually dead or actually finding him alive after learning he has this double life. Um, I don't think she 
I don't think she trusts Lee, but I also don't think she distrusts him either. I think she's kind of on the fence. She's on the fence. She's kind of along for the ride at this moment. Yeah. Um, and it's not until Lee lands the plane mm -hmm. and she sees the skill he has that she kind of busts out laughing. I think there's been kind of a little bit of a, of a relief there. Like a I think point. that, yeah, I think that moment kind of breaks the tension between her and Lee. I think so. That too. they have that laugh together. Yeah. So yeah. because Kentaro does dump the bag over the side, he yeah. does eventually give in and trust Lee in that decision. Yeah. And there's also that uh, little issue with uh, May too. Because uh, before we get that scene when they dump the stuff over the uh, the back of the boat at that point. Now, not to go back in time, everybody, but <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> the uh, Kentara has a conversation with May and May was like, you got me involved in all this. I lost my business. I lost my money. I lost my home everything but she was also on the phone with somebody and then as soon as Kentara shows she throws that phone right into the water yeah I, th there's something that may is hiding she is hiding something yeah may is definitely hiding something so i don't know if there's if she has any affiliation with monarch or or the government or anything that's going on but i'm thinking that this is something that's going to happen later on in future episodes and it'll come up. But, uh, you know, there, there was that one little, uh, point in the, in the, the plane that I do like that, uh, little quote that I got. She, he goes, she goes, I'm pissing my pants now <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, of, yeah. of Lee's uh, flight work. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that, May is definitely hiding something. She's being very shady about something. You're, you mentioned that her tossing the phone into the water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could be she's hiding something. It could also be she's protecting herself. Um, she has lived this life before. She kind of found a place to settle, but now she's on the run again. Yeah. And any trust that she has built up for anybody is gone. Uh, in Kentaro included. Mm. Um, she's with this group. She's with Lee and Kate and, and Kentaro, but she still doesn't trust anybody at this point because she's being chased by a company. And I, yeah, I think, I don't know. Maybe she's Lee's daughter too. Who the hell knows? No, <laughs> I highly doubt it. I, yeah, I don't think that I'm, I'm thinking something completely different altogether, but, uh, it, it's one thing to, as a viewer, as you're listening to us talk about this to just look at. And if you're going to rewatch the first three episodes and then before you get into the fourth episode, look at, you know, may as how yeah. she is. Yeah. She's a character to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but now that does lead us into how this episode wraps up and Correct. that is they land, and they find the plane. Uh, the plane is in pieces. The pilot is, is dead in the pilot seat. And it's not uh, Hiroshi. It's not Hiroshi. Mm -hmm. We do see that a shelter has been set up. Correct. So there has been 
another survivor were mm-hmm. led to believe that it's Hiroshi because uh, they do find some paperwork and some things with his handwriting. Uh, and they Kate, see his shavings too of the pencil. Yeah. Which I didn't bring up too because in episode one, when uh, Kate and Kentara go to Hiroshi's office, she does pick up some pencil shavings as I did a rewatch. Well, and we do find out in this episode the reason behind that is because her uh, Kentaro says that like that's how his father sharpened his pencils. Well, also, no, Lee actually mentions that. Oh, then I think it's Kate that says he used to leave his shavings everywhere. Correct. Like, and, then know, they, and then Kentaro actually added to it, too, because he saw the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, these shavings and this handwriting in the shelter Kate now they all realize that Kentar at least he's possibly survived. alive. Yeah. He survived the crash. And I'm using I'm not doing it physically because this is a podcast. It doesn't make air a lot quotes. Of sense <laughs> I'm using, yeah. I'm using air quotes around the term crash. Yeah. Because as Duho discovers, correct, he sees the plane straps, which is the way when you are in a torrential area where there's a lot of wind and such, you strap the plane down so that nothing happens to the plane. Yeah. He finds these straps as a pilot and knows this. And this is when he sees the claw marks and realizes this plane did not crash. It landed, but it has been torn apart. Correct. And that is when we see (laughs) the Titan. The the creature. Yeah. Yeah. The creature that uh, is in there, which honestly I look forward to because I'm like grateful. It's like, oh, wait, we got another Titan. We got some sort of uh, kaiju out of this. And I thought it was great. Uh, Now, mind you, it did remind me of a kaiju or Titan that I saw in another movie from 2020, which was from Mila Jovovich, uh, Monster Hunter. It reminded me of that with the tentacle uh, face um, mouth that was on it, too. But uh, it was definitely, but it had freezing effects, too, because it froze. Uh, well, do I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you do. Ho. do um, ho. Sorry. I'm glad you brought that up because upon rewatching that scene, mm-hmm. there is a there is a freeze that happens, but it's not because of frozen breath. The monster is actually inhaling. He's not breathing out frozen air. He He's sucking, sucking in, in all warmth. moisture. Okay. He is sucking in the heat, which is what causes the instant freeze. Ah. So whatever kaiju this is, he doesn't expel. He inhales heat, um, which is what causes that freeze. Hmm. Because um, I did. I rewatch the first time I watched that scene. I was like, wait, I'm like, I think he's inhaling. And then upon second viewing, I was like, yeah. He's inhaling. He's not exhaling. Cool. So I I thought that was really cool. And I'm very curious if we're going to find out um, more. Well, we're definitely going to find out more because the, that 
Kaiju is in the next episode. Yeah, we kind of leave off right there. And honestly, listeners, I haven't watched beyond that. At me all. neither. <laughs> I me, was like, me neither. Nope, haven't watched it. I'm actually on. Um, I'm on uh, the Godzilla fandom site right now as we're talking. Okay, uh, and there is a name for that creature. Oh, really? Um, it is called the Frostvark. It is a subterranean dwelling titan uh, that first appears in the episode Secrets and Lies. Um, hmm. Let's see. Appearance. Uh, the, the roar. Let's see. It's possess- okay. Frostvark is a quadrupedal um, creature adorned with layers, angular dermal armor plates that protrude outwards. These plates cover the entirety of the creature's body, extending from its head to its lengthy tail. Uh, interstitial spaces with the armor are occupied by thick tufts of hair. The creature's formidable feet are terminated by large mole-like claws. Most notably, the Frostvark possesses sensory tendrils that emanate from its snout. These tendrils, numbering at least a dozen, are capped with bioluminescent globules in a vibrant shade of blue. Its jaws are equipped with an array of jagged fangs. Uh, the Frostvark's eyes are positioned far back in its head, mostly concealed beneath plate light armor. Um, so it doesn't say anything about... Oh, here we go. Abilities. Okay, um, okay yeah, here it is. Temp- uh, temperature manipulation. The Frostvark possesses a unique psychological ability to rapidly draw in large volumes of air through its oral cavity. This action facilitates a rapid decrease in the ambient temperature of its surroundings, resulting in a substantial reduction in thermal energy. The consequential temperature drop is of such magnitude that it induces the solidification of both inorganic and organic entities within a matter of seconds. So yeah, it breathes in. Wow. It's, it sucks it in. That's pretty wild. So I, I want to see now the Godzilla fandom doesn't, do spoilers. So everything that I just read is what we learned from this episode. Correct. Um, they're, they're not going to put anything in here that spoils the next episode. They'll any new information that's in the next episode, they'll add it after the episode airs. So none of what I read is a spoiler. If you've seen the episode, you already know what it is. Yeah. I'm so I'm very interested though, in learning more about this Titan. Correct. Same here. Yeah. And what I do like about this too is that they haven't they haven't really there's only four titans listed for monarch. Um one of them is the Endoswarmer, which is the eggs that we saw in uh the first two episodes. In in Kazakhstan. Okay. Uh the Ion Dragon is the one that we saw in episode two flying mm-hmm. around the ship. Yep. The Frostvark is the one that we've seen before, and then there's another one. There's no image, so I don't know where it's from. It's just called a bramble boar. Hmm. Uh, says name and design are TB personality, history, abilities, weaknesses. Uh, it just says TBA. So this is this is one that we're going to be seeing eventually. Hmm. Uh, a, a bramble boar. I don't know. Maybe it's something that's in the trailer. And that's why it's added. Probably. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, 
I digress. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that leads us to the end of the episode and them on the run from uh, from the Frostvark. Yep. And um, I'm sure it'll pick up right after that on episode four, everybody. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it will. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I think I've covered everything that I have. I think I have covered as well. Uh, the one thing that I have to add, though, from my notes is that uh, when Lee stated that uh, <laughs> that it would be treason for him, like for Bill, to actually uh, relinquish all the information about the uh, the H bomb going off. Mm. Uh, he goes, uh, he references the Rosenbergs. He goes, because they electrocu- uh, electrocuted the Rosenbergs. He goes, uh, in June 1953, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were executed for conspiracy to commit espionage under the U.S. Espionage Act of 1917. Members of the Communist Party, the Rosenbergs were convicted of passing secret information about the atomic bomb to the Soviet Union in 1945. So that's what that reference to. So if you guys didn't uh, understand what Lee was talking about when Bill was saying, hey, uh, you're uh, you're committing treason <laughs> at that point. Well, I mean, and it, it's also important to note, too, that the Rosenbergs were also communists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, if you if if you know anything about history and, you know, the Communist Party and the fighting of communism back then, um, yeah, like one of the biggest reasons why they were tried for treason was because yes, they were selling secrets of the U S government, yeah. but they were selling secrets because they were communists. Exactly. But yeah. that, that was so. the whole point because it's in reference to that timeline and what people thought during that time. Yeah. So Lee was actually trying to say, Hey, shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Uh, I right. want to end up like these two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but other than that, yeah, I didn't have any other notes other than that. Uh, I only have a few quotes. I don't know if you have any. Nope. Go for it. Uh, uh, one would be from Amber, and she says this to Lee and before they, in the very beginning of the episode, saying, what's your dog in the hunt? And Lee goes, Hiroshi Ron is more like a son to me than a nephew. He's the only family I ever had. That's my dog. well it might be because he's actually his son yeah well we'll find out uh the next one would be from keiko it's less that they emit radiation than they absorb it feed on it meaning that the government feel that they are a threat meaning the kaiju or the titans uh when they first see godzilla bill says is that thing wearing armor and lee retorts what does that thing need protection from? And then Keiko says us. Which, which pretty- I kind of predicted that was what she was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Duho saying, wow, I'll be a monkey's naked uncle when he sees Hiroshi's camp. <laughs> I thought it was a, a cute saying from a, a character actor, but I, I'm looking forward. I want to see him. More, I want. I want to see that actor as uh, Duho. Yeah, I want to see more Duho as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Bruce Baker uh, needs to be back. 
I agree. But other than that, that's all I had. Okay. Um, so then, uh, that takes us then into feedback, which I know we did some at the beginning, but now we have some feedback for this episode and we only have one. Uh, we have our voicemail from our friend, Steve Brown. Uh, so let's go ahead and play that now. Hello, Ben and Mark. This is Steve. And this is going to be for uh, Monarch season one, episode three. I know I, I sent voicemails for the first two episodes and I listened to your podcast. Gosh, you guys really helped me a lot in some of the small details that I kind of had missed because I didn't know the other movies. So I'm, I'm your podcast is doing really, really well. Keep, keep up with that. Uh, you know, letting us know the details from the movies because I, I probably won't go back and watch them. Like the biggest thing of, of, uh, John Goodman being, Bill Randa, totally, I missed it completely. So thank you for that. You're the one who's left out because the boy and the hacker want to find out what happened and the colonel. Okay, he just said that Hiroshi Randa is more like a son to him than a nephew. So you might be right, Ben and Mark, maybe Hiroshi. I, I just don't, I don't agree. I don't think Hiroshi is Lee's son. Wow, that transition from uh, Kurt Russell to Wyatt Russell uh, the camera was so good, and it just shows that they they may not have they may not even have any scenes together, but they definitely collaborated to know how these characters this character would work. Okay, I had to pause it because basically what they're saying is that Lee, Lieutenant Lee, is the basically the creator of Monarch with uh, Bill Randa and Doctor Kiko as his allies with the general that they pull in tow with them. <laughs> I love this conversation with Lena Miko where he's like, there is a place for gun toting Neanderthals. Ne- Neanderthals. Did I say that right? Okay. And I just realized this is my first watch. That was like 12 minutes into before the cold open. So there's like 30 minutes left. So I'm sorry if this goes long. <laughs> I love <laughs> Kurt Russell. I wasn't in solitary confinement, May. I know what Google is. <laughs> Pause it and backed it up. So she does admit that he should be like 90 years old. So you, again, another thing you guys might be on the right track with is that he's a slow ager. Uh, <laughs> Lee, I mean. Oh no, this conversation with the general, they, the general thinks that the A-bomb can kill this thing, not just feed it, which is, Oh, they weren't clear enough. Oh, no, you can't choose your line number. Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. This guy is part of the system and he's friends with Kurt Russell. Okay. Okay. I'm lost on some point. <laughs> crazy knows crazy. The French gal just said for Tim to, to say with her, I got, uh, whatever. Okay. So we're now we're back to the, the Timmy Atoll. Uh, what's going to happen here? Okay, I don't know what happened to the Kimmy Atoll. But now we get the fact that he was headed to Barrow, but he's that's not where he was going. What? Okay, this pilot talking to Keiko is somebody. Kurt Russell is taking over Duho with the pilot. Okay, so now Hiroshi is alive. They just got to find him. Well, it seems like this frozen breath Muto is not going to let you get to the plane. On to next week. <laughs> I, I love when Steve sounds confused. <laughs> but I am... I am very happy, Mark, uh, Steve, that you said that Mark and I are helping you with a lot of things about that and, and talking out what we did and our theories and, and bringing the movies into it. So I'm glad that's helping you. Yeah. Always, I always try to reference the movies itself, too, because they, are se- they seem to be a huge factor into the uh, continuity of the mm-hmm. show and what's going on. And a lot of it is a little bit more historical. 
and then some more current. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's helping you out. You know, whenever Mark brings up references to the movies or I bring up references to the movies, um, I'm glad that's helping. And I hope that helps other people as well. Um, but uh, you know, as we mentioned before, we encourage you guys to leave us feedback. Let us know your thoughts. Are we helping you out? Are you confused by what you're saying? Do you think there's some wonky plots like Sam had mentioned in the beginning? Uh, we want to know your thoughts. So easiest way to do that is, of course, um, if you're following on social media, uh, WilhelmPodcast.com is the easiest place to go for Will for the Wilhelm side of things. Or if you're a Podcastica fan, uh, Podcastica listener, just go to Podcastica.com uh, and look for House Podcastica. If you're on the Facebook pages, whether it be Facebook.com slash Wilhelm Podcast or Facebook.com slash Podcastica. Man, there's so much to plug when this is a joint venture. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we put out Facebook, we put out feedback posts on the Facebook page, on both Facebook pages uh, that you can leave comments on. Or easiest way to do it, the most direct way, is just email us. Email us directly in an email or a voicemail. Uh, email it to feedback at wilhelmpodcast.com. Uh, the email has been fixed, so everything's coming through now. So if you send it, I promise you will get it. Um, so either the, the social media pages or emailing us directly is the easiest way to do that. Uh, plugs, what you got going on um, on your end? I know you and I are doing something else together relatively <laughs> soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. Uh, That'll be great. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm excited about. <laughs> uh, you could find me on panels, the pixels podcast as always. All you have to do is go to facebook.com forward slash panels, to pixels podcast or panels, to pixels actually. And then uh, follow us there. Go there. Uh, we are finalizing invincible season two with Jamie Dimmick and myself. Uh, we will have Gen V for the last two episodes. I'm sorry. We didn't do. The, the last two episodes, seven and eight. Uh, unfortunately, with the holiday and everything, uh, Rob and I couldn't finalize it, but we will be doing that soon. So uh, after Invincible, we will move on to probably a movie or whatnot, and then going into What If come December when season two comes out for What If. Uh, you could also hear me on Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. As I said before, I only do those about once a month. So the last episode you do have is Total Recall right now with uh, Jason Cabassi, myself, and just another cheap pop and cheap plug for Jason. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Jason Cabassi if you're interested in joining the Zedheads for anything. So it's a great community of people. So uh, that would be something if you want to get involved with a community of people who love movies, shows, anything that you're into that you want to geek out on, just join it. Uh, it's it's only a few shekels. Come on, just shell it out and then just jump on in and have fun. Uh, but other than that, uh, like Ben had stated, uh, coming up in the works, we will be talking about Real Steel. That Which came. I love that movie yeah, so much. I know you love it. So uh, Ben, myself, and, and possibly another person will be just covering that particular movie and our love of, for that particular movie itself and jump in and have fun. Uh, but that's about it for that. Uh, you could also hear me on a, uh, you know, uh, fantasy picks movie edition as well. Cool. 
Uh, yeah, so of course, check out all the other stuff on Wilhelm. Uh, I, I mentioned WilhelmPodcast.com already and Facebook.com slash Wilhelm Podcast. Um, we just released the 60th anniversary Doctor Who episode on that one, the, the celebration of 60 years of Doctor Who. We have um, another actor spotlight coming up between now and the end of the year. And then the final episode of the year will be a feedback special for Christmas, which I'm really excited to do. Uh, I'm just going to have people reach out and tell me, like, I'm going to put a couple questions out there to, like, throw them out in the ether, like favorite holiday movie, first movie you watch, all this stuff for people to send in feedback. And I'm just going to read it all uh, as kind of like a a love letter to the listeners for the final episode of the year and, and for the Christmas episode, which I'm looking forward to that. Uh, check out revisited the revisited podcast with Kristen and I, where we're covering uh, Ted Lasso. We're currently covering about to cover season one, episode nine uh, revisited pod is a place you can find that revisitedpod.com or facebook.com slash revisited pod. But you can also find that on podcastica, which is the other half of this, uh, this joint venture podcastica.com. Be sure to go over there, check out all the great stuff over there, including uh, Jason and Lucy starting their, well, not starting, they're already into continuing. their Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, continuing their Walking Dead rewatch. You've got the Buffy cast over there as they're rewatching episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Amazing. Uh, Rima, Greg, and Wendy are covering Great British Bake Off on Strange Indeed. Tasty. <sighs> I love that show too. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, Rima and Paik, I think, are wrapping up their coverage of Fall of House of Usher. There's just, there's so much going on over at Podcastica. Podcastica.com, check it out. Uh, you'll find the listings, and I guarantee you'll find something. There you go. There. Uh, I think that's everything. Again, there's a when this is a joint venture between one, two different podcast stations, <laughs> meaning Wilhelm and Podcastica, <laughs> but then throw in the fact that both you and I also have additional stuff outside of Wilhelm and yeah. Podcastica. There's a lot to plug. There's and a lot I, to plug, but honestly, people, I, all you have to do is just find us. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I promise by episode 10 of Monarch, we'll have it streamlined. <laughs> but for right now, it's it's just a lot to plug. Exactly. Um, and everything is in the show notes of the podcast as well. So if you missed us talking about it and there's something you want to check out, just read the show notes of the podcast on wherever you're listening to the podcast. I, I will also make mention, too. Um, we didn't do this last week, but I'll bring it up. Good. Uh, one final thing before we get out of here, if you're listening to the podcast and you enjoy it, whether it's on Wilhelm or it's on Podcastica, House Podcastica, um, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, leave a review because that really helps. Um, it really helps me with Wilhelm. It really helps Jason with Podcastica. Um, reviews make a really big difference in helping podcasts get noticed. Correct. So... If you're enjoying it, um, even if you don't say anything, but just go in and give like a four or five star review, preferably a five star review. Um, <laughs> it just, it, you know, wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Apple or um, Amazon, wherever it is you're listening, do us a favor, leave a review if you're enjoying the podcast. And yeah. Yeah. All you have to do I is will. go to applepodcast.com and then follow Wilhelm forward slash Wilhelm or applepodcast.com forward slash podcastica. Yeah. And just and, 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 and just do your reviews and you'll be great. Yep. Yeah. And it's, again, it's really helpful. Yeah. If you can leave a review on both, that's even better. Yeah. That's even better. Do it. Um, 
Any final notes before we we wrap this thing up and head out? Uh, not really. I, I just look forward to seeing what we get on episode four. Me too. And we're going to reach out to the other people that we may mention my guest as well um, to see if we'll start. Now that the adventure seems to have really picked up and started yeah. on the show, we're going to bring them in and, and see if we can get them into the conversation as well. Yeah, we want to hear more people involved in this, not just us two schmucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of a better way to wrap up the podcast than that. <laughs> Us two um, fellers. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Season one, episode four, Parallels and in, um, Interiors is the next episode we're going to be covering. Uh, but until then, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for leaving the reviews. If you do the feedback, anything that you guys do. Uh, and we'll see you guys on another episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>